Jesus, he didn't have an earthly home. He says, you know, foxes have dens, the birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man doesn't have nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus, he didn't have like, you know, an, an address or a house. Thank you so much that he could call home. And so, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house is where he would go when he, whenever he's in Jerusalem, whenever he comes into Judea, Bethany, just two miles away from Jerusalem. And so this is a, a place where Jesus would stay when he was in Judea. And the passage says that while Jesus was out across the Jordan River, about a day's travel from Jerusalem, right, word was sent to Jesus from Mary and Martha that his, their brother Lazarus was ill. And they say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They don't even have to say his name. They don't even have to t- say, please come. They just say, the one you love is ill. Right? They're saying, like, you know you love Lazarus. You, know, you know he, he, he's such a close person to you. He's sick. And basically they're saying, please come and heal him. And um, this points to this close, intimate relationship that Jesus has with these three. And it's clear that Jesus really loved Lazarus. And so Jesus says... About this situation, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It's like, all right, Jesus is going to, you know, go and he's going to heal his friend, you know, whom he loves. Maybe he'll make some more mud with his spit and, like, rub it on his forehead and he's going to be, you know, healed. You know, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but he's going to go and he's going he's gonna to do this thing, right? And you have this healing. Every, everything points to Jesus going and healing Lazarus. But what we read next is very peculiar. It says, now, G- now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, this doesn't make sense to me. Because Jesus loved them so you know, it's because Jesus loved them, he stayed behind two more days. And on Friday, it rained a lot in Busan, right? Who, who, who felt the rain? It rained really hard here. Um, and, you know, it rained in the morning, so Mina couldn't take her scooter to work, and so I drove her in the morning. And then um, it was around 12-something, and I had to go pick her up, and I went down to the car, and I get a phone call from Ethan. And he has this little phone watch thing that he has. And he's like, Dad, it's raining so hard. Like, so it's raining really hard. Can you come pick me up? And so I said, all right, you know, I'll go. And so I, I like, I, you know, I said, you know, Mina can wait. And I just took off. I'm going down this road. And uh, Mangmi, Mali, you know, Mangmi Chodungakyo is in this area that's like kind of this old area of town where there's a lot of narrow alleyways and stuff like that. There's only one really decent-sized road that takes you to the school. I'm driving, and all of a sudden, there's all these cars that are stopped, and then um, it's because it's like major flooding that's happening, right? And so the first car is a Kia Ray. Who knows a Kia Ray? Right? Pretty tiny, small tires. The dude just does a U-turn and goes back, right? And then there's the a policeman is saying, "Do a U-turn, everybody go." Well, the next car is like a taxi cab. It's a, it's a bigger tires, right? It's a Sonata, and the and dude just goes, right? And so I'm next, and then the cop is like, beep, he's like whistling me to a U-turn. And I just look at him, and I just start going. He goes, beep, 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 and I just start going. And he goes, uh, all right, just go, right? Like, like Korean, if, if I would have tried to do that in America, I would have been arrested. But the Korean cops are just like, you know, just, he was just like, uh, all right, just go, right? Because so I go, and then it's like, it's like two feet of water. We're, I'm driving through this flooded area. I get to the actual intersection where 
where like the major problem is happening and there's like this sewage drain and water is just literally coming out like about two, three feet off the ground. Just pumping, there's so much rain that's going under the ground. And so I, I get over that, and my car makes it through and then I get to the other side and then the cops blocking everybody that's coming in but he lets me through so I go and I get and make a ride and I get to his school and I, I pull up and I see him on the curb and he's just getting rained on, right? He has his umbrella, his little umbrella, but just like, it's too small. And he's just like, just getting, and he looks at me, he goes, oh, and he runs to the car. I open the door, he comes in, and he's soaked. His pants are just like completely wet, right? And he's like, dad, it's, it's like, it's raining so hard. And I was like, yeah. And I went and I picked him up. And, you know, I want to I wanted to ask you, why did I rush? Right? Why did I rush? Why did I semi-break the law and drive through like two feet of water to get to his school is because he's my son and I love him, right? And I don't want him to stand out in the rain waiting for his Taekwondo bus. His Taekwondo bus, he usually has to wait anywhere from 10 minutes to sometimes 30 minutes, right? And especially when it rains like this, the Taekwondo bus gets stuck, traffic. So I didn't want him to be stuck out there. And so I, I raced over there and I picked him up. That makes sense to me. And I think this makes sense to most of us. And I believe that most of us would attribute this kind of response from Jesus when we call him. Why? Because he loves us. But what does the Bible say? It says, now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's like Ethan calling me and saying, Dad, it's raining so much. Right? It's really raining hard. Can you come pick me up? And I say, okay. And then me going to McDonald's and having lunch. Right? And, and a milkshake and dessert and then going to pick him up. There is this delay. And for many of us in our lives, we experience these delays. Why the delay? It says that Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters. Why the delay? His actions seem to contradict his love. God says he loves me. Why does he delay? And a lot of times we face circumstances like this in our lives and it, it has us questioning him, questioning his love, questioning his affections for us. Now it would make sense if the word was but. He loved them, but he stayed two more days. Right? He heard, he wanted to come, he couldn't come, he has some, he has some reason why he couldn't come. But, he, you know, he stayed two, like, two more days. But it says, so, so, when he heard, he stayed two more days. Why the delay? Now, I want to make something clear here. Jesus didn't wait for Lazarus to die. Okay? By the time that Jesus got the message, if you do the calculations, Lazarus was already dead. Right? It takes a day to get to Jesus, the messenger. So that's one day. Jesus stays two days. He comes back, takes a day. That's four days. He comes to Lazarus. He'd already been dead four days. So basically when the messenger was leaving, Lazarus had already died. So it's not like Jesus was like waiting for him to die. But why the delay? And I want to open up this topic today with two reasons that I find in this text about the delay. And one is the glory of God. And the next thing is faith. Now Jesus had a purpose for being on this earth. Everybody knows his purpose. Number one is to, to die on the cross for our sins, right? We will say that 
Now, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which I believe in him, to not perish but have eternal life. That he came to die on the cross for us and to be our, our sacrifice. But underlying, there's an underlying mission for the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's to, number one, display the glory of God. And number two is to bring faith into the heart of his people. And there's a strong correlation between faith and glory. And that's going to be the heart of this sermon today. Jesus had this underlying mission of bringing glory to God and bringing faith into the hearts of his people. Because a lot of Christians, we have it twisted. We believe that Jesus is here to answer our requests, to listen to us, to make things right around us, to make our circumstances better. But in order for us to truly understand Jesus, we have to understand his prime objectives. Who plays video games here? Anybody? Call of Duty. Anybody play Call of Duty? I play Call of Duty. Please don't judge me. But in, in these video games, right, there's this, you, 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 you play the game, but there, there's a, a prime objective to every level. You can, like, go and shoot the trees and shoot the buildings and shoot the sky and shoot the birds and whatever all you want. Unless you fulfill the prime objectives, you don't really move on to the next level. But Jesus had a prime objective for being on the earth. It was to display and show the world the glory of God, the glory of the Father, and build faith in the hearts of his people. And we see this prime objectives in the delay that Jesus has before going to Bethany. I want to read verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so there's this objective of the glory of God. This is going to be an opportunity for God the Father, and Jesus to be glorified. For him to display to the world the glory of the Father through him. It's objective. It's one of the objectives, right? And we see the, the, the second objective later on in verse 14. After Jesus, he waits the two days. He tells his disciple that he's going to go to Judea. And the disciples are like, dude, what are you talking about? You can't go to Judea. They, those, those Jewish leaders are after you. They're trying to kill you, man. No, well, you can't go. And Jesus answers with this proverb that's very confusing. He says, Jesus answers, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And when I read that, I was like, Jesus, what are you talking about? It's night and day, what are you talking about? What he's actually talking about is, is, is basically day is his life. As long as he is alive, as long as... He is within his father's time frame of him being on this earth. He's not going to die. He's not going to, until that moment comes, until night comes and his appointed time for him to, to take on the sins of the world and die on the cross, he's, he's, he's not going to like, he's not going to accidentally like fall down a ditch and like break his neck and like, oh no, could have been the savior of the world. <laughs> right? That's not going to happen. As long as it's day, as long as he's within the father's Time that it's, he's supposed to be on his earth, in this earth, he's not going to die. And so he's basically saying, let's go, because I want to continue to do the Father's will. And then Jesus tells them, verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. 
the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. They're a little, they're, they're a little on the dense side. It's like, Lord, if he's sleeping, then he's fine, right? And now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant resting in his sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And then Jesus says, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. That's the second objective. It's for faith to rise up in his people so that we may believe, so that they may believe, so that they may have faith in the Son of God. We see in this delay, Jesus' prime objective of, in his ministry on earth is to display the glory of God so that, and, and so that we may believe, so that his, his disciples, the people may believe, so that they may have faith in him and in the power and in the glory of God. And as believers, we have to understand that this understanding of Jesus. If we want to truly understand Jesus, if we want in our interactions with him and even in his love for us, we have to understand that this is his prime objective. We have to understand that the love of God is not a pampering love, but a perfecting love. When people talk about Matthew 7 11, it says, If you then who are evil know how to good gifts to your children, how much more will your father uh, who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And yes, God gives good gifts to his children that he loves, but it just might be that the good gift may not necessarily be what you're be what you're asking for. It may not necessarily be packaged in the way that you expect it to be. Because Jesus' prime objective is ultimately the Christians and you and I's pri- prime objective. This, the prime objective that God gives us as his children is to give glory to God and through faith in him. A lot of times we go to God and we tell him, I need this. It's not even like I want this. I need this. Ethan will do, come to me and he pick out this toy. It's like, Dad, I need this. I'm like, you don't need this, right? You don't need this bulky. You don't need it. He's like, no, I need it, right? We go to him and like, I need this. It's like, I need this. God, why won't this, why won't you do this for me? Why is it taking so long? But God's objective for you is for his glory and for him to build faith in you. And while we are waiting and even complaining and crying out to God, what God is doing is setting things up for us to glorify him and have greater faith in him. That's his objective. That's what he wants to build in us. But all we see is the tomb. All we see is the dead body. And this is why Mary and Martha was, was dealing with it. They called for Jesus. Like, Jesus, we know you love us. We know that, that you know, how many times did you stay at our place when you were in Judea? How many times did you crash at our house? I know you love us. Come, please come and save our brother. And yet he didn't come. And they're in their disappointment. They're in their depression. They're in their sorrow. And they're in their grief. Now, knowing this big picture, it's easy for us to say, well, they should have faith. They should just have more faith. But it's a whole other thing when, they're in the, when you're in the thick of it. And all you can see is the dead body. And this is how we find Martha and Mary when Jesus gets there. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Jew, the, now Jews back then, they believed that 
the soul, the deceased body for three days. Like the soul would kind of like, you know, float around the body for about three days. But, it, but by the fourth day, he was definitely dead. So they had this thing. It's not true, but this is what Jews believed back then, is that for three days, right, you know, the body could maybe come back to life. But by the fourth day, it was over. Game over. Right? They put them in, in the tomb. So there was not a shadow of a doubt to anybody that Lazarus was dead. Nobody is saying like, hey, maybe, you know, he was dead, right? In verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary, Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. They're, they're pretty uh, um, influential and just popular people because a lot of people had come to kind of console them. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Jesus comes to town, and Martha hears about him. So she runs to, to Jesus, and she basically said, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. It's almost like she's blaming Jesus. Like, if you had been here, Jesus, why didn't you come? If you would have been a little bit faster, if you would have, you know, like, if you would have maybe jogged instead of walked, like, if you would have had better shoes on, you could have come here in time, and our brother could have lived. But then she goes on to say, but even now, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. This is a natural response. And it's the tension that God brings us into sometimes. So many times in our lives when we face disappointment, when we face disillusionment, we face grief, we sometimes blame God. We ask, why God, why? Why, why did this happen? And we, we blame him, we question him, but because we have seen and encountered Christ, we also respond with, but even now, I know you can do this. Do you know that God ordains these times of tension in our lives? Just like here with Martha and Mary, it was ordained by God. They would have never been in this tension if Jesus just snapped his fingers and, you know, Lazarus was better. Remember the, the, is it the centurion or the official? He's like, oh, my, my child is sick. And Jesus tells him, your child is healed. And, but, and when he gets back home, he realizes when Jesus had said those words, he, the child has been healed, right? He could have done that to Lazarus. He could have just be like, he's better. And then he could have just gone up. But why? Why, why be in this tension? God ordains these moments and these seasons of tension in our lives. And in the same way with, with us, God has a purpose for us being on this earth. And God has a purpose for us in these seasons, in these circumstances of our lives. Where there's this tension of like, why God? Why God? Why isn't this happening? God, like, why, why can't you just do this? And then saying, but even now, 
But even now, I know that you can do this. There's this tension that we are in. Because it's in these moments of tension where faith is grown and strengthened. I know that Josh works out a lot. You know why? It's all over his Instagram, right? Every Instagram story is him doing this. And he does it really slow. He's got perfect form, right? His pants are a little too tight. He works out a lot. And I know it's in order for his big muscles, right? In order for his big thighs and his big pecs and his arms to get bigger, there needs to be tension. There needs to be resistance. There needs to be stretching. There has to be this pulling and this tension. And we see here with Martha, she faces disappointment. She has seen her brother's dead body. He's been dead for four days. If only he would have come sooner. Why couldn't he come earlier? But even now. I know that whatever you ask from God, he, God will give you. And Jesus tells Martha, your brother will live. And then Martha responds with the Old Testament understanding of the resurrection. And this is what the Pharisees believed. At the end of the days, that everybody will rise. Right? That when the world ends, you know, the dead will rise. This is what she says. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus responds with, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die... Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Prime objective is faith. He wants us to have faith in him. In those seasons of waiting, in those seasons of disappointment, in those seasons of difficulties, in those seasons of trials, we have to know that God's love for us is one that wants to perfect us. And strengthen us and build faith in us for us to be in that place of tension and stretching. Right? Even if we're in that place of stretching and say, God, why didn't you come? Why didn't this happen for me? But we say, e but even now, but even now, I know that whatever you, whatever you do, you can do. Jesus knows the outcome, but he wants us to be in the process. It's in that place of not knowing, in that place of questioning, in that place of doubt. We say, but even now. You know, Christians believe we're not supposed to doubt. When I was young, I always thought, if you doubt, you're not a good Christian. We're not supposed to question. We're not, you know, we're not supposed to, like, you know, have doubts about anything. Do you know that God doesn't get his feelings hurt when we doubt him? Do you know that doubt and questioning is better than shallow faith? Do you know that tested faith is one that is wrestled with and questioned and doubted because it's only when you, you go through these seasons of doubt and questioning that it becomes real to you? People think that Abraham, when God told Abraham, like, you know what, I want you to go up to the mountain. Right? They think that he is just, oh, dun, 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 dun. he's like, tie up your son. He's like, dun, 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 dun. kill him. Yeah, no doubt. No. The dude was doubting. He was questioning. You could, you know, like, we, we read that and we think, oh, he was just like a man of faith. No, that faith was tested. The faith was, he, you could see he loved his son so much. And yet he was like, oh, 
like what's not written in there is this, this heart of like, God, is this, are you really telling me to do this? True faith is tested faith. True faith is one that has been doubted. And we come out on the other side and we're like, you know what? You're real. There is a purpose for these seasons in your life. Just like there was a purpose for Jesus to delay two days, it's for us to be in that tension where we are stretched, we face disappointment, we face pain, we face grief. We answer back, but even now. Because we learn that our understanding of Jesus isn't based on what he has done in our circumstances, but what he has done in the word of God. What, who he is in the word of God. Now, so many times we, we look at God and we, we look at his love for us based on what he does for us. But God, you know, he, he, he tells us what he has done for, for us and he tells us who he is in the word of God. The word of God has to be more real to us than what we see in our circumstances. But here's something else. And Jesus' response to Mary, right? Martha came. Martha didn't really cry, it doesn't seem like. But Mary, you know, we see Jesus. We see this other objective of Jesus, which is love and compassion. This great love and, and compassion for us. Martha calls Mary. Mary hears Jesus is here, and so she gets up and she runs, and she falls at the feet of Jesus, and she asks the same question. She asks, she tells Jesus the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right? Jesus knew that Mary and Martha would get their brother back. That his, their brother would be raised from the dead. And yet, upon seeing the grief and the pain that they were in, Jesus weeps. He wept. And when Jesus sees us in our sorrow, when he sees us in our pain, when he sees, sees us in our grief, when he sees us in that trauma, when, when the things that happened to you should not have happened to you, but it happened to you, when your heart was broken, when you lost that loved one, when you were so depressed that you couldn't get out of bed, Jesus sees you with compassion and he weeps for you. He has compassion for you. He was the most compassionate person to have ever lived. And he's not sitting up in heaven aloof and distant, wanting you to learn your lesson. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to grow our faith. And in the midst of the struggle and the pain, we have a Savior that is moved to tears for us. He empathizes with us. He knows and understands our pain. Then it says, Jesus... Verse 38, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Here's Martha in that place of tension. Jesus, I know that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God that's coming into the world, but he's dead. He's been dead for four days. 
He's been dead. In the, the King James Version, he says, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> How many times have we gone to God and said, God, it's too late? I, I said, I, there's many things that I go to God and say, God, that's too late for me. It's too messed up. It's too damaged. I'm too damaged. I'm too broken. It's too embedded into my system. I'm too far gone. God, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not going to work. And Martha says, God, Lord, he's been dead for four days. I know that you are the son of God that's coming into the world. I know that whatever you tell God, God is going to do it for you. But do you see that he is dead? He's been dead for four days. He's thinking. And then Jesus tells Martha, verse 40, he says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And I believe that this is the heart of the message. This is the heart of the delay. I told you earlier that there is a correlation between faith and the glory of God. And here it is. If you believed, you would see the glory of God. So even in your circumstances, in your disappointments, in the trials and the pain and the grief, the things that you did not go your way, are seasons of waiting and waiting and waiting and you've been wanting things and you've been wanting things to happen in your life and it's just not coming, even though if you believe, if you have faith, if you continue in that place of tension, you may not get what you want, but you will see the glory of God. This is the prime objective. This is what Jesus tells Martha. If, didn't I tell you, if you believed that you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people surrounding or standing around that they may believe that you sent me. There's that prime objective building up their faith and we had, when he had said these things he cried out in a loud voice Lazarus come out the man who had died came out his hands his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go this is the glory of God this is you see that this is why Jesus delayed. This is why the, 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 the two objectives that he had, glorify, display the glory of God and build faith in the hearts of his people. And we see them experience the glory of God and them coming to realize and then putting their faith in Jesus. And here in John 11, as Jesus comes back to Judea, this is kind of like the last time that he comes to Judea. And he knows that he's about to walk that journey that will ultimately take him to the cross. Because just a few chapters after this, just a few months after this, we see his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He does his miracle, raising Lazarus. He points to the greatest miracle that will ever be done. And Jesus will find himself in that place of tension where he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, Father, if, if this could be, if this cup, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. If it is possible, he says it three times, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And I always believe that there is a long pause there 
God, Father, if, if it's impossible, let this cup pass from me. And he says, but not my will, but yours be done. He's in that tension. And as he's hanging on the cross, he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He's like, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's on the cross. He's like, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, if you would have only come a little earlier, a brother would have lived. He's in that tension. And then with his final breath, he cries out, into your hands, I commit my spirit. <coughs> I mentioned earlier that Jesus understands and empathizes with our struggles. But here's the ultimate example. Jesus in the tension, in that place of tension. He remained in that place of tension and he brings eternal life for all who has faith in him. He displays the glory of the Father in his resurrection and conquers death for all of us. Brothers and sisters, I know that we may have been through or we may currently be in or we may soon be in seasons of this tension of disappointment, seasons of pain, seasons of grief, seasons where what we want God to do doesn't happen. Where there is delay. Where there is things where we look at it and we're like, dude, that thing is dead. There will be moments like this. God, Jesus never said that we would be spared from moments like this and seasons like this. But I hope that you are able to find the faith to say, but even now. Because God's ultimate plan is to display his glory and build you in that place of faith. He has his prime objective, and it's not to answer your to, to give you what you want and to listen to every request you have. He does that. You know what I mean? Jesus loves us. He talks to us. He communicates to us. He hears our prayers. But we have to understand there is a prime example of his ministry. It's to glorify God and bring faith to his people. I wish that we can all find ourselves in these moments and be able to say, but even now. But even now, I know that you can do this. But even now, I know that you love me. But even now, I know that you are for me. Even though whatever it, the situations in my life, whatever it is that, that I'm looking for is dead, sitting in front of me in a tomb, and it stinketh. But even now, I know that you are, you are here. I know that you are for me. I know that you will never leave me. That you will never forsake me. And it's in these moments where we are find ourselves being stretched, being pulled, being, you know, our muscles, our spiritual faith muscles that starts to grow and expand. And we, we find ourselves standing on faith that was greater today than it was yesterday. Let's all stand up and let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for that, that you are a God whose love is to perfect.